Welcome back to the only professional podcast that is likely to see the Oklahoma City Thunder absolutely just shit the bed and play like a high school team when they go in person. We are back. It is the first pod of the new year. And we got to check in on some of our own teams, the status of those guys, and just how hard the panic button is being slammed in the Suns, Warriors, and Lakers front office. And honestly, I think there's some apologizing to be done on all of our front just about these uh the streaking Clippers, Clippers who are so excited to extend Kawhi Leonard to a bigger contract. Pa- glass bones and paper uh, Kawhi is just on fire. Before any of that, let's reference uh, my opening pun. Did you guys end up having a good time at the Barclays Center this week when we saw the Thunder almost get run out of the building? Yeah. I had a great time. It was a, it was a really fun time in terms of the company and the actual trip. The the basketball game itself wasn't necessarily the best though. It's always a good time. I'm, I mean, I'm getting a little bit nervous watching these uh these Brooklyn Nets if they end up making <laughs> sneaking out of the play in tournament and end up having to play the Celtics in round one. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we we went into that game. You know, we were hyping up our annual trip to the Barclays last year getting a chance to see the Nuggets in action on their way uh, to the NBA title. And then we were, we were, you know, we were getting a little excited. We were like, maybe we'll do it again, back-to-back years, OKC, can they do it? And then we kind of went into the game, we're like, wait a minute, are the Nets the team that are... <laughs> are they the team to beat? Yeah, they might be the well, best real, team. Uh, real critics of the NBA would use that, that game as just an example of, if anyone just cares enough and turns it on, they can be an elite team. And I, I just walked away feeling like, wow, this really is a make-or-miss league because they just couldn't miss. They were just – Cam Thomas was a bucket. Uh, Dinwiddie looked like he was ready to lead a team of his own. They just looked great. And <laughs> we were riding so high. Dominating we the paint against Chet. They were great. They are absolutely dominating. It, it, was a, it was wonderful to see uh, Josh Getty get booed in real time. Eh. That was great. It was all right. The, the it, it was really crazy. funny though about yeah he, they were all boo him the entire time he had the ball and then whenever he scored the basket everyone would go yeah because like <laughs> the the general like aura of the place was still like casually rooting for the thunder anyway so he would touch the ball and everyone's like oh like fuck josh giddy they're booing him and then when he'd score the bucket it was like a crazy like behind the the like behind the back alley we'd be like oh my god like everyone's like going crazy for the points that was great to see. Yeah, it was a good environment. And I feel like you have to talk about your French fries too, John. Well, it got so dismal at some point that they were just trying to keep the the, uh, the crowd engaged that even though we were nowhere near the lower level to actually affect uh, anything on screen where everyone's, you know, clapping the little inflatable things together. Bam, but, bam. <laughs> yeah, the bam, bams. But we were giving bam, bams, like, up in our, like, you know, upper mezzanine section. And it kind of it brought us back to being in Harrison for a Red Bulls game. Just our entire section not only liked them, they loved them. They would not stop uh, clapping on beats at any stadium song <laughs> that we got. It was the fact that they were in sync was, was so really headache inducing. Yeah. But you know what? As soon as we got them, the Thunder started to make a comeback. Yeah, I, I appreciate that at least about the game. Like we were worried. I think the Thunder were losing by like thirty in like the third quarter, and we were like, well, we're not going to see like. Chet, SGA, or Jalen come back in, and at least they fought a little bit. I think they caught it like six or something at one point. Like, it at least got a little interesting, which I was happy for, but, you know, what are you going to do? The better team lost. They look great out there. Their ball yeah. movement's great. I think the, it was just like a carnival a carnival uh, phenomenon. Like their, their hoop was just hammered in whenever they were shooting. They just could not get anything to drop. Do you guys do you guys walk away from that game actually thinking any different of the Thunder, or was this just more fluky? I think it may have just been a, a bad matchup for them overall. I mean, th- this was coming off of um, probably the biggest game of the year for them, which was uh, the game against the Celtics right there. Um, and I th- one of their big issues the entire season so far has been they're just they're a bunch of like scrawny dudes and they can't really rebound that well. And so when you're going up against a team like the Brooklyn Nets, who that was just like get the stats, actually are second in the league in total rebounding. That's wow. just a overall bad matchup. That's absurd. Uh, for the for the team overall. Um 
So that's just always going to be an issue for them. Um, I, I think, again, something that we've always been talking about with them, great team overall. I think they are still a couple of pieces away from being like serious contenders and something like that is going to be a rim runner who can just grab boards. A Jared Allen type. Yeah, Jared <laughs> Allen type. Or we honestly saw – we were really high up, but we did see some dap-ups and winks over at Nick Claxton. It, it, honestly, if you guys see Nick Claxton to the Thunder in the, ne- in the next few weeks, we can break that first. I mean, but Sam Presti, he, he'd probably be like, yeah, like a first-round pick and like a, a second-round pick for Nick Claxton. I think I think both teams would do that. Brooklyn might want Isaiah Joe, but I think they can give up Isaiah Joe. Or Or Waters. Or- yeah. yeah, Waters. Waters would be plenty fine for that team. No, I mean, they were a ton of fun to watch live, and they're they're very close to being pretty complete. Yeah, it's I, just still, kind of... I still believe in them. I agree, Riley. I think it was just a little bit of a letdown coming off of literally like the game of the year in that game against Boston. 100%. So, yeah, after... um. Just to kind of shift the focus to our own personal rooting interests, who's feeling better about their team right now? You guys uh, just made an absolutely great homestand to keep the record going, 18-0 at home, fought off an amazing uh, team in the Wolves just now in overtime. And um, we somehow just traded for the greatest role player, you know, in, in the modern NBA and can't seem to lose. So I don't know who's feeling better, New York or Boston right now. Yeah, aren't the Knicks undefeated since acquiring OG? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's just like Josh Hart last year. We got Hart and the chemistry was off the charts. I think we were undefeated for like a, like a, a little bit over a week with Josh at first too. The difference is that like, yeah, Josh Hart is a is a personality and OG is very much not that. I don't think I've ever heard OG in an OV speak. Not until, not until you. Him, yeah. <laughs> in, until you guys had to start digging for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Josh yeah, Hart's so- more fun, but I think OG might be significantly better. I absolutely love this for them. I never doubted it for a second. I was never sorry to see anybody go. You guys know, as soon as you asked me, no no concerns, no worries. I don't know about that, but, um, you know, it kind of going off what you said, it was definitely a divisive trade right when it happened in Knicks country. I mean, you have two homegrown talents, guys in RJ Barrett and Emmanuel Quickly that have been here for what seems like forever and throughout this entire rebuild. Uh, so when you look at it from that perspective, it's like, oh, the Knicks mortgaging like their young future players yet again. Like, what are they doing? And they're not getting like a great player back. Like, is this the right move? But right when it happened, I mean, I'm probably like one of RJ's least biggest fans out there. I just really am not a fan of what he brings to the table, especially like just as a fit in the New York offense next to Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson, um, and I think we've kind of seen that. Now that he's been gone, OG's kind of fit in much more seamlessly, considering, you know, he actually plays defense and can shoot a three, two things RJ is very bad at. Uh, but there was no denying everybody was kind of shaken up a little bit about quickly. He's he, the type of guy that we understood why we traded him. We couldn't really afford to keep him past this year, and with Jalen already running the point, there wasn't really a huge fit for him in the future, but we kind of know, like, oh, he's going to go off in Toronto, and he already kind of has, but you have to give something to get something, so it sucked, but it was definitely awesome, and I was very happy for it. How have you all seen the offense and the game that the Knicks are playing change a little bit more? I understand that, like, OG kind of works a little bit better as a complementary fit, but have you noticed, even in just, like, this limited sample size, um, a different way that the rest of the team is operating and that they have a guy like that versus a guy that's more of like a chucker like RJ. Actually, it's actually incredible. Uh, you bring that up. One, you definitely thought we were going to lose a bit of like scoring punch and like that sixth man ball handler off the bat. Yep. But Deuce McBride has stepped up and like he's not quickly, but he's done a decent job kind of replacing what he gave. So we didn't lose anything there. And I kind of touched on it a little bit, but the, the replacing of OG and for RJ in the starting lineup has done so much for the team. It's given Julius Randle, like even the biggest Julius Julius Randle haters out there have kind of noticed that like, wow, even the past few weeks he's been going off. And I think a lot of that's just like spacing. Julius is a guy who needs a lot of space on the court and RJ, you know, he sits in the corner, he's wide open. He's not really going to make the shot. 
But OJ, OG sitting in the corner, he'll make the shot. And Julius Randle's a good passer. He'll find them. And Julius has been averaging like 30 since the trade. And I think that's been the biggest thing. Julius has been very, very well. And Jalen Brunson's been working with him. It's just a very good flowing offense now. Whereas RJ just charging down a, a clogged paint because he doesn't know how to shoot kind of ruined the flow of the offense. I think it's been much better. Unlocking Julius and the thing that I was nervous about. I mean, I think the, the, the I I'll come off and yes, my I was not as confident as my bit to lead this topic was. It was a lot of just oh okay, let's see what happens. And I think my hesitation on getting rid of RJ was just like the potential, and and the, even same with IQ with quickly, just like the potential of what he could be, and even even just with quickly too, just the immediacy of the spark plug that he provided off the bench. And I was wondering where that would come from. And you mentioned um, uh, McBride, Steve. I think even Grimes, too. Grimes was absolutely getting, like, like iced out of games to start this season. His, like, touches were so far down from last year. And now to see him, like, already rise and McBride rise to be able to fill in what we're missing from uh, quickly has been awesome. And just losing RJ is just making the best parts of our team better. Like, Brunson's just starting to just really completely have the entire offense flow through him and kick out to players. And Barrett could have been something someday, but fact of the matter was, yes, he would get his an average, I think, like, in the low 20s. But he would do it so inefficiently and just, like, take so many shots that he missed. So we're getting better where we were already good. And honestly, like, we were really nervous about, like, losing the prospects of Grimes and Deuce McBride, but it seems like they're just stepping up. Are we still maybe like a bench scorer away? Yes, but I think that's oh, like something. If only you had one. <laughs> if only we had one. Yeah, but um, I think that's something we can go out and replace. But like, what we couldn't replace was what getting rid of these guys is doing for the talent that we already have. As I'm watching it now in the background, Jordan Clarkson, we're taking calls on the hoop fiends. If you want to come over to New York, we'd love to have you. So I think with some uh, breathing room, it's really worked out. I think we're still. Couple pieces away from, I think I think my ideal Knicks team is like what the Hawks did a few years ago in the playoffs, where it's like wow, we ended up like going deeper than we thought, getting out to a like an Eastern Conference Finals run somehow. I don't expect us to make the finals as currently constructed, but if we could really just raise some eyebrows and even just show people more so that New York is here, we are a destination for upset stars to go to. That would be ideal. Yeah, I think Clarkson, like you said, would be a good fit to kind of replace that punch, too. And the big thing about the trade that I didn't really mention and you didn't really mention is, yeah, we gave up uh, we gave up RJ, we gave up quickly, but I thought for sure we were going to have to give up a, at least a few picks, considering the fact that RJ is a really bad contract and just started this really bad contract. So it, he's kind of a negative asset. Uh, so it really was just like a, a quickly swap for... OG and I, I was expecting like two three first round picks considering that's what the Raptors wanted for OG last year at the trade deadline and right. weren't able to get but I, I thought for sure at least be one or two picks and the fact that we didn't give up any first rounders uh yeah we gave up a second rounder from Detroit which is like basically a late first rounder but I think that was awesome um and you know I just think it sets up for the future like if we want to trade for Clarkson we could just give up the first like we have a lot of firsts um, mm-hmm. so we could either make a big splash or we could just stay quiet for now and save those picks. Uh, it, ke- it keeps the future bright, which I love. Yeah, and I think Knicks fans obviously having their time in the sun, like the, the team is on a, on a roll. They're taking shots at Becky Hammond all over again. Um, but even like going up in uh, into Toronto, it, I, I thought this from, from the jump. This seemed like a trade that felt pretty good for both teams walking away from like with all this. Um, obviously the Knicks get a guy who feels very complimentary to the offense they're trying to run um, and plug and play in around um, Brunson and the Raptors get to finally get the OG and Anobi monkey off their back in terms of just like this guy just has been shopped around every single time that it's been a possible opportunity. And let's see if we can sh- kind of change him into some sort of asset for and make this team that's not really going anywhere maybe a little bit more interesting. And that's kind of what they did. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we already we were talking about it a little bit already, but um, RJ and Quickly have both been really allowed to 
play like coming in there. We, we knew RJ was going to obviously come in and, and be a starter here, but um, like quickly, I think he started every single game. He's been able to play in as well. And it's been great to see. Um, he was a guy who we were always like very, very high on anyway. And he's just still like taking a rel- relatively good control of the game and playing really well. And RJ slotted in very nicely uh, with Scotty Barnes. Um, and I think like kind of what you were like alluding to, Steve, is like RJ was very like, a raw piece in that Knicks offense and uh, scheme that they were trying to run. He he was just kind of like he was like clogging the the out the exterior and like taking a bunch of like ill advised shots. He he kind of plays very interestingly around Pascal Siakam, who is much more like boards focused. So like RJ doesn't have to feel like he has to spend any of his time out there. He can kind of like out chill out and shoot a little bit more. Um, so I mean, it's good to see him grow. It's good that he's Canadian. I'm sure that they they love that up there. Um, yeah, I, I wanted to like ask both of you though, now that it's all like in the rear view mirror and like all, all the hype and discussion and conversations that have been like the last five years of RJ Barrett, like what's like your postmortem on the whole experience now that RJ has gone, what's like the final, like New York stamp that, uh, fans are kind of leaving him with. Steve, you might be more negative than I am. Why don't you start off? Uh, Although I was never a huge fan, in the scope of this question, I honestly won't be very negative. You know, I, I really appreciate what he did for the franchise. I mean, he came in in some really dark times. He never, never, ever, like, uh, said a bad, like, anything bad. Like, obviously, there's been a lot of controversy around uh, Julius Randle and whatnot, but he always embraced the fans. He embraced the city, and he always yeah. fucking tried. Like, yeah, he fucking sucks sometimes. But he always gave 110%. And I always appreciated that about him. He just wasn't good enough at certain things in the modern NBA. And you know what? Sometimes that happens. And I think there will be a little bit more animosity on my front if, you know, it's like, oh my God, we took RJ over Ja or we took RJ over this guy. But there was really no one yeah. at that point in the draft. Like, it kind of, we kind of got fucked by the, the lottery. We could have had Zion or Ja, who were issues in their own right. But, you know, the lottery gods weren't there. We got RJ. It was an obvious pick, and there was really nobody we could have drafted over him. So it wasn't a mistake for once, um, and I think that helps us remember him fondly. It's always going to go down as like, a, all right, you know what? We appreciate your time as a Nick. I don't think anyone's going to hold anything against him just because he was, you know, not a perfect player. Yeah, I mean, I'll carry the positivity. I love that, Steven. Look at you, man. That was very positive. Um, Yeah, I, I think from – when we drafted him on, things have been going better. It's been the start of the Leon Rose era. We're, like, doing things kind of more intelligently now. It's not just a total dumpster fire of, like, when we tried to get, like, Joachim Noah and, you know, Derek Rose the first time trying to replicate a 2011 all-star team in 2016. So it's just the start of things kind of looking on the up. And the, the like you said, Steve, like, from his draft position where that kind of sucked the wind out of us, it wasn't at all any of the two guys that we wanted. And that kind of was like the overarching theme with him the whole time. It was just like potential and kind of let down. There were like streaks. I remember like two seasons ago, it's like, holy shit. Like he's averaging 25 like points a game for like a week, like weeks at a time. It's like, is this who he is? But then it never ended up being, you know, who he would be long-term. And I think we all kind of settled with like, wow, maybe is he just going to be like a role player next to Jalen now that we kind of found a star from another um, another team in the league. He never ended up kind of gelling nicely next to him. So it kind of ends up – and we honestly got out with kind of unscathed too considering the package and we kind of got off with his contract. So hopefully we can continue to look at it with rose-colored glasses of like, wow, like all things considered, not that bad. Um, yeah. I think I, the playoff memories were kind of fun. He was kind of exciting in that Hawk series. I was going to bring up the playoff memories. Against Atlanta. That was kind of cool. Were you about to do something kind of similar? Yeah, I was just going to say he showed up in the playoffs too, which is something that I appreciated. You know, it's uh, we've had some tough playoff runs the past couple of years, but he was always one of our best players in the playoffs, which you can never scale that. Like, I appreciate that. Yeah, he, he, uh, know, he sounds not, to me. Not a homer. Like, what do you think his, like, new ceiling is in the league? Well, I, I think, like, this slots in very nicely for, like, what they need to, for him to do because – I think, again, what you were talking about, he's 
he's shown a lot of really solid flashes, but I think still as a player, he's he has room to develop. Um, I don't think he's he's going to reach the franchise altering ceiling that people may have had uh, with him kind of coming out of Duke initially. But he seems like he could play and slot it in very nice as like a second additive role player. Um, yeah. I think like his ceiling, if we're really looking in, is like a Brandon Ingram type, who's more of like a longer wing, um, who can do a little bit more slashing and uh, can can shoot a little bit more on the outside. Um, I think that's what we'd really be looking to see and have him develop. And, I, and again, I feel like Toronto, a team that, as it's currently constructed, isn't really going anywhere and is just going to use it as a farm system to let these young guys develop and as their coach uh so eloquently put yesterday future faces of the league and future all-star players kind of coming in into uh the form maybe this is the time for um just letting him work out some kinks to finalize his game and i i think i think it was very like cool like hearing you guys talk about that because it just makes me think of like baker mayfield and like you know what, he may not have been the guy on this team, but he was our guy for a yeah. little while. When it when all, all was said and done, like you guys were there for him. <laughs> yeah, and I, I'm. It's funny too because I probably watch more Toronto Raptors basketball the past like two weeks than I have in the last like five years. And I I think there, like you said, I think there is something there for RJ, and I definitely think there's something there for quickly. And I think we kind of expected that. I think he's gonna be really good for that team. And it goes back to just the moral of the story that this really was a win-win trade because quickly just quickly and RJ just were never going to really have a spot on the Knicks. We're going to lose them in free agency. Quickly, that is. Um, and now we got a guy at OG who fits well. I think just moral of the story, this is just a great trade for both teams in the end. Quickly was in his uh, Terry Rozier 2018-2019 era, uh, which I so fondly remember, which is like everyone went from – Hey, wow, maybe this guy's like kind of a bucket off the bench to then all of a sudden, like, <laughs> yeah. oh, and he, he, he's been hearing that enough where he's like, hey, you're right. Like, maybe I should just be playing more times yeah. now. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think you guys, again, changing what were, if you had spent too much time left on it, would have turned into two large disasters into a really solid player is a huge win for the, for the Knicks. One and again, getting a guy who just kind of sets their timetable back a little bit more lets them develop his win for the Raptors in my book. So love the one, trade all around. One last Knicks tidbit before we move on. I feel like we can't have this long of a conversation about the Knicks without talking about literally probably the best player on the team, Isaiah Hartenstein. He oh, it's absurd. He's been so good. And honestly, I'm I'm like ready to say it. He's just better than Mitchell Robinson. And it's, I don't even think it's close. Like he's so goddamn good at basketball. Isn't he like leading the league in rebounds? In, yes, in, he's like in January. Yeah, a little Ewing theory with Hartenstein. There just needed Robinson to go down. I just love it. I just hate him because he's um, Waluigi to Daniel Tice. Is Luigi? <laughs> no, I think I think it's the other way around. No, uh, no, Tice Hartenstein, Tice is there. No, he's he's a he's a Waluigi for sure. He's a he's a wa. He's got a wall over him. Ah, he does. He's very important to what the Clippers are doing, which we'll definitely get to later in this pod. But um, yeah, just to turn things back on your own on your team, Riley. How again for checking in and things are good. You're still undefeated at home. What's the what's like the midseason status report? How'd the um, I I'm really just taking this all in and just enjoying it right now because I I know. Um, in a few months, it's going to get really stressful and <laughs> aggravating and annoying. I love stressed out playoff, Riley. <laughs> yeah, so I just I, right now I'm just kind of enjoying the spectacle. I'm still in like the honeymoon phase of just when I see Drew Holiday running around on the court and like stealing the ball in like clutch situations. I'm like, hey, like I loved watching that on other teams, and now it's on my team. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm I'm still very happy here. I I think that they're doing a good job. Um. Just like monitoring Porzingis's his workload and making sure that uh, he's getting enough time to never feel like we're stressing and relying on him a little bit too much. So I don't kind of like flash and play these games well. Won today, should have won yesterday, or should have won on Monday against the Pacers. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll just keep it rolling. Can't wait to see how the rest of the couple of weeks unfold. Has anyone felt more mature about the Jays this year? 
Um, to me, I, I think like there's a lot being said about it in the off season, but I think we've had enough jokes about it in our own small groups. And I'm sure people who have been watching the games have also noticed. I think Jalen Brown has improved as an offensive player overall. He seems a lot more secure in his handle. He can actually go left now a little bit more. Um, And, and the, the harmony that he plays with Porzingis in particular is, is great. Um, I think like the, the, the other thing too is, um, Tatum was in like kind of a, a slump uh, a few weeks mm-hmm. ago. I, I think like a lot of Celtics fans were um, actually not like turning on him, but like starting to give him, him like a lot of crap for, you know, kind of just being a chucker, which is again, like that's yeah. their offense. That's what they want to run. Um, but when it's not working, it really doesn't work. Um, but every once in a while, he'll just be able to, to pop the ceiling off. Uh, like he was able to tonight. Uh, I, I, Tatum was getting kind of a bum rap around social media. I feel like a lot the last few weeks when everyone was like, "Oh, he's he's uh he's on the downward downward trend, and this is SGA's league now coming up." Um, oh. and that was, I, I think, I'm hoping he kind of heard that and is going to use that as fuel motivation moving forward. I think it's a little hyperbolic. Yeah, I mean they're both the same age, so it's it's stupid to be like, "Oh, Tatum's getting old in years." <laughs> a little, a little, uh, a little buzz and buzz Woody with them too. I don't want to play with you anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Young guys in the league. What about you, Steve? Anything that you're like impressed about, or any thoughts on this Celtics team right now? Uh, no, I just have a question for Riley. Um, this is fun. <laughs> I mean, this really... is like I'm on like a press conference. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like, really oh, Riley, Riley, please. They're really <laughs> good. You know, Porzingis is very essential to them. Um, I'm a little bit worried of what would happen if Porzingis got hurt down the road and how they'd pair, but that's literally it. Other than that, they're unstoppable. Drew Holiday and Derek White are freaking awesome in the backcourt, and then you have the Jays. So, like, it's incredible what, they're, what they've are what they been able to build there. Um, but that leads into my question. Uh, they're obviously the toast of the East. They're four games up in the East and unquestionably, in my opinion, the favorite. That being said, uh, the two teams right after them are Milwaukee and Philadelphia. But I still want you to rank these five teams on who you are most afraid of to play in a playoff series, that being Milwaukee, Philadelphia, and then Miami, Indiana, and the Knicks. Uh, so I guess number one, uh, the number one is going to have to be Miami, unfortunately. <laughs> um, always. It's going to be them forever. And what, what's what's messed up is, like, I haven't – I really go out of my way to make sure I'm not even paying attention to what's going on in their game. So I don't even know – what like off the bench okay. like eighth eighth manner is gonna come in and like completely screw me. Ready for I, some yeah. I no idea who that's gonna be. I'm I'm very <laughs> afraid to find out. Um so yeah, they'd be they'd be number one. I think um I, f- I feel like the Knicks are just like have a great setup for how to play Boston. Um they're they're big and they they having that size advantage is huge and they're they're much more aggressive. They're willing to like kind of take control um in the paint, which again we haven't really, I don't think we've been able to like really see them play like with this new frame of the offense. So I'm curious to see how that goes. But that was something that having RJ there kind of brought forward. But that's where I really started. I think RJ usually feature. played well against the Celtics. Yeah, he did. He did. He really that, did. that was that was always something that like we were we had to be on the watch out for. So um Maybe maybe they're like they're three. I'd probably put uh, Philly ahead of them just because Philly's just operating on like this different level now. But at the end of the day, you know they're still Philly, so who really knows um, like what they can do? Milwaukee Celtics have been playing Milwaukee pretty well this entire year. I'm, I'm kind of jinxing myself because they're playing tomorrow. I'm now I'm saying <laughs> the Celtics are going to lose. Um, are they I feel like they match up. Um, I. I think they're actually in Milwaukee. Oh, um, yeah, they play they play uh, Milwaukee pretty well, but you know they have Giannis and Dame, so who knows? And there's a lot of smoke there that maybe um, Marcus Smart ends up getting uh, traded there, which Ooh. that would be horrific. I don't even want That'd to like say wild. that enough. I love um, it. That'd be uh, and and then yeah, then. The Pacers, I, I know, like Halliburton just got hurt, and 
I, I don't really – I don't know. I, I think they had their oh, okay. nice little in-season tournament run, but, you know. I thought you still might be a little concerned about the Pacers. Then I don't know. I just thought they were a team that, you know, matched up interestingly against you. Uh, that's why I threw them into the loop because just obviously with what happened in the tournament and they beat you without Halliburton yesterday. I just, I don't know. They're a weird team. I don't know what to think of them. I'm just much more afraid of guys taking control of games in the other teams than I would be uh, in their, in their games a, a little bit more for, for a seven game series, at least. Fair enough. I agree with most of that. So I was just curious where you, I, I feel like it's always good to, See where you currently stand. It's always going to be always, number one, though. It's Miami until until they they beat them. Always. Are you are you more scared of Philly this year than normal, or still it's Philly you own them? I would say I'm more scared of them than normal because like this new incarnation of Philly is there. It, it's weird because like every year it feels like they're throwing like a new variation or new update oh. of Philly at us. <laughs> Mutated. Yeah, exactly, and then. The Celtics end up like figuring that out, like almost screwing it up, and then finally manage to like figure it out, and then it slowly breaks and beats psychosis until he's averaging another point a half a game the next yeah. season. He is on that cycle of like, like getting broken in the postseason, like seeming defeated in the off season, and then like something's going on with the team where like the chemistry's off or some drama with Jimbo Slice, and then like he just kicks it into like MVP gear. And looks like Godzilla out there and is playing like at a level that we didn't even know was possible for a basketball player. He's been on that for like two to three years now. <laughs> it's crazy. And he's I think he's making the second MVP case. He definitely is. It's hard it's gonna be hard to take it away from him, even though I I said I was pretty confident going in that nobody was gonna vote for him again, but he's making it hard to not consider him. The thirty ten thing is real. Yeah. That's awesome to watch. So high with both our teams for yeah. such a period of time. Let's keep this rolling for sure. Let's in, in speaking of those vibes, should we go from some good teams to bad teams? Yeah, yeah, you hate to love be bad teams. Other teams. I love all right. So, fun. wait, I do. I love this good. I love this ranking game. You just asked the riot to rank some things, Steve. I'll turn on you. Oh, rank, rank how fast or how much they're sweating in these front offices of what I named at the top of the pod. Golden State, Phoenix, and the Lakers. Who's sweating the least to the most? Go three to one. Ooh, that that's like hard. That's like really hard. I have I have mine. Yeah. So I'm gonna say the sweating the most is uh Phoenix, just because they went all in on this KD Booker Beal big three. And not only is it completely not working, which I was very wrong about, it not only is it completely not working. They're all upset again. Like it's a typical KD is probably going to demand a trade and blow this whole thing. Up. It's and, so funny. Yeah, and future and future Nick Devin Booker is probably going to follow suit and want out right after that. So, you know, all three of these teams are complete messes, but only one of them I think is in complete danger of absolutely blowing up, which is the Suns. So I'll say them first, and then I'll put Golden State after that. I mean, you have your foundation in Steph Curry, but then yeah. I think after that, they're sweating the most because they just genuinely don't know what to do because you have guys like Chris Paul, Clay, and Draymond who, I mean, Chris Paul's like been washed. Draymond's punching people in the face and Clay can't <laughs> get a shot. And then you have all these younger guys who, you know, Bernard Potenza and Trace Jackson Davis and Ringa, <laughs> they've looked good. But it's like, how do you balance and what the hell do you do there? <laughs> so I think they're just like, what the hell do we do? And the Lakers, you know, they're bad, but I, I think they're in the best spot of all three. I, I'm less least concerned about the Lakers, too. I feel like this is just very typical Lakers, and I feel like they can get things right. What always goes wrong with them um, in, in Street Clothes Davis is actually awesome right now. He's actually I've been impressed by AD. He's, he's kind of yeah. fun to watch. Yeah. What's going on? I like watching my guy. I I just want to root for my guy AD. I I do really kind of look forward to seeing him play. They have a, we can actually put this to the test tomorrow night with uh, Phoenix and LA facing off. Yeah, I I'm with you. I would I would kind of maybe put most uh sweating bullets with the Warriors right now. Maybe just like long term. I don't know if they they're gonna kind of blow things up as much as or in danger of blowing things up. 
for what they've wagered like Phoenix has. Phoenix has, you know, they have a new owner. Like they're kind of all in with like getting field, these picks. But um I just feel like 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 this the West Warriors dynasty could really be closing its its books really soon. I think they're looking at just a really big issue with Clay, but they're almost stuck and like can't get rid of this trio just because of what this means. And that's like, oh, what a good problem to have. You've been so successful that you can't ruin it. But you almost just can't waste this prime that Curry's in. Curry is having just another fantastic uh typical year of his. And I just I just kind of want to see them make a big trade at the deadline. And I'd be really disappointed if they didn't. What about you, Ryan? Well, well I I think I would fall I would counter with um the Warriors as being the one that is in, in the most uh like most panic mode because I think differently than the Lakers, I think the Lakers like entire uh, conscious of like, Oh my God, like they're not as good as we thought. Like I feel like it's relatively overblown. I think this happens to the Lakers like every time this year, like right. I think they're going to be able to figure it out like relatively soon. I wouldn't be surprised if they just start going on a run and like getting that all done. Um, the Suns again, I, I, I was what who was a little bit more down on them this year, but at the end of the day, they still have Durant Booker, who are two of the 10 best players in the NBA. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if those two just start averaging like 35, 40 a game and yeah. they can start, start gritting out wins. The Warriors, like, the problems are that, like, people are hurt or not playing who are vital parts of their team, like Chris Paul and Draymond. Um, the people who are playing are bad, like, like Clay is and Wiggins. And all the young guys were supposed to be developing to this young talent freaking hate Steve Kerr. And then, yeah. like, it, how is this all, like, kind of coming together in a way that is feeling cohesive at all? And it, to me, like, it feels like a lot of this stuff is really kind of coming back and coming down bad on Kerr because, you know, you've been, you've been told to, like, develop these, like, younger dudes and, like, kind of, like, do these, like, two pads of, like, the um, Splash Brothers, like old Warriors dynasty, and like developing that new one with Poole and Wiseman and Kaminga and Moody, and then like those guys aren't really get weren't really getting playing time, and it was kind of the idea of like, well, Steve Kerr like doesn't want to play like these rooks, and he only wants to start like developing and playing with these veteran dudes, and now he's playing these young guys, like young guys, but they're like different young guys. They're like his young guys. It's like. Brando and yeah. um, Trace Jackson Davis and like those guys are actually getting minutes and they're good, but there there was definitely a friction in the front office in terms of like how they wanted to get these players all developed. And um, mm-hmm. I, I think like the Warriors are like done, unfortunately. I don't see a way out. They just I have think... to pick a direction. Like it's, you can't be middling anymore. You have to go full rebuild or – make a huge ass trade to get somebody to help these guys. And there's no in between. You can't be doing this anymore or else you're going to be a tendency. That's like what it is. Yeah. But you can't go into full rebuild with Steph Curry. Like that's the thing. And like, you're never, ever, ever going to get rid of him. No. At all. Yeah. I, I guess what I mean by full rebuild is, yeah, I didn't really mean that. I mean more so just trading Clay, Draymond and Wiggins and just moving on from them, getting someone else back and playing the younger guys with, him, you know, like not like yeah. Wiggins, but just switch. You him. you have to get the stock value out of Wiggins and Jinx, uh, by the way. He's and, and but yeah, but his guys at an all time low. What all happened to him? How was he so bad? All time low. I don't know if he'll come back. Yeah, I, yeah, completely in line with you guys. Just salvage the prime of the next, you know, year and a half to two and a half years of Steph Curry, and I think I don't, I think you can play for another like seven or eight years, but just the prime of him being like. The guy on your team, while you can, I think I think we always hear Siakam floated around for this team. Do you think he could be a good fit for the for stuff? You have to get rid of Draymond. I think. I think you gotta get. Rid of, I've been screaming as long as we had a podcast that he is just yes, he brings such a defensive presence and like is the grit and cords team. He like was instrumental in helping them win their fourth title just two years ago. Those two years ago seems like forever ago at this point. It is really insane. But I think if you got to switch anything up, like he actually, I think even though he's nuts and like was talking about his podcast, how Silver had to be like, come on, Draymond, please don't retire. Like just really going through some stuff right now. I think like, I think teams would still find him appealing and like want like him to be added 
to like a young core to play some like some real uh defense with them right now. So just get him off the team and get something to help out Steph. You think like Steve Kerr and Warriors Brass are like pissed about like Adam Silver doing that? They're like, dude, if you were tired, that would have solved so many issues. Like, yes. so what were you thinking? Yeah. They would have loved if he retired. That's, that's collusion, bro. Get the yeah. fuck can't do that. I thought that was lame. Who who came out with it? It was Draymond that said that Silver, like yeah, he said it himself, yeah. I think it'd be funny if Silver's like, guys, can you never believe the conversation I just had with Draymond? <laughs> And they're like, dude, why the fuck did you tell him that? You're finally going to be out of this. And then that's when, like, when Steve Kerr went to Draymond's house and they had, like, their big cry session. Draymond cried because he was having an emotional breakthrough. And Steve Kerr cried because, like, I can't believe I have to coach this guy for another three to five years. Absolutely absurd. Yeah. Moral of the story, I think they just have to pick a side. And I don't know what's best. I I genuinely don't. But that's the dilemma they're in. And they're going to be bad until they choose a side. I do love watching them, even though they're losing a lot of games. I think they're always close. Nope, like not, so... not for me. It's I horrible. Think, I can always talk them into, uh, oh, maybe they'll come back. They, they have so many primetime games. I'm kind of enjoying the reality TV show that is the Warriors this year. I just like B-Pods. <laughs> B-Pods is kind we of We love awesome. B-Pods. This is the B-Pods pod. <laughs> we should see if we can get him on in the offseason. Yeah, no, one, no one's recruiting him. I'm going to DM him now. Hey, B-Pods, can you come on the pod? But the 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 Suns, I, I, I feel like it just kind of like going back to that, because I know, Steve, you were you were going in there a little bit more. Um, it, I, I feel like Kevin Durant, he's always been like at the center of a lot of this drama and like especially online, he's always been getting the brunt of this. But I feel like from like Christmas till now, there's been like generational Kevin Durant slander where like everyone's just yeah. over it now. And, like, it's really starting to look bad. It was already looking bad on, like, him as a as a whole, but if, if he can't figure this this thing out, like, even Bill Simmons is turning on him. If yeah. He's, like, is notoriously, like, riding a die with Kevin Durant. That was such a good pod. He was yeah. just like, you right. got it. He's like, Kevin, my, my lips to your ears, you have to figure this out, please. He's right. So what's the, what's yeah. the timeline on it? Was he – it was right after, like, almost right after the Christmas game. Uh, just like reports came out, he's like, "I'm upset." I think it was like on Christmas. It was like the same thing. I like when Harden was like, "Yeah, I'm out of Philly on Christmas last year." Right. Durant was like, "I hate Phoenix and I hate Devin Booker." <laughs> you guys, watch- I have always said that that they don't watch ball. any of the Suns Clippers game. I think it was like last night or the night before. By any I, I was asleep. So I watched the Suns Lakers. Yeah, so it was the night the Suns played the Clippers, and it was like a. It was like a relatively close game. Obviously, we'll talk about the Clippers a bit later. Uh, it was the fourth quarter, and uh, the Clippers were up by like nine, eight or nine, and it was like, okay, like maybe Phoenix will hang around. And then in the fourth quarter, dude, they went on like a like a sixteen to zero run. The Clippers did, and like literally, Kevin Durant and Devin Booker were just miserable. Frank Vogel was just like screaming, and they just like benched them. He's like, he took out him, Beal, and. Booker, who's just like, I just want, like, I need players out there who's going to, like, try. You guys are just, like, jogging yeah, yeah. before, chucking up a three, missing, and then, like, yelling at the refs. It was, like, really embarrassing. They're, like, a mess. I mean, again, too, they're, and the sores on this team were just apparent, like, that we kind of thought could be problematic for them when we first looked at them at the start of the season. They've just got zero, zero depth. They're relying so much on Eric Gordon. We're now in the, in the end times where Bradley Beal may have the best attitude of everybody else on this team. Yeah. Everyone else is just a whiny and complaining. And, like, we've known that about Booker in, in particular for a long time. But I think, yeah, like, seeing it kind of come forward together like this is cringe. It really is lame. I Do you guys – they definitely finished the season as a team, right? Yes, I almost because like I I can't imagine any team being like I'm trading for Kevin Durant in like the <laughs> middle of the season again. Like I'm like I like literally don't know if I can do. Maybe that the anymore. Warriors. I was literally just gonna say, what if the Warriors they give up Draymond so they solve that issue, and then like a bunch of shit for Katie. <laughs> imagine Draymond first day in the locker room with Yusuf Nurkic. He's like my brother. Everyone <laughs> <laughs> gets second chances. Well, this new, this whole new Draymond, like my antics are done. I'm gonna be better. 
what if he just sucks now? He's like turned like turned nice, and now he just like can't play. Well, he's already pretty bad, but he's even worse. Like he just like can't play like any. You can't put a saddle on a Mustang. He's gonna do it again. That, well, I think like the whole thing is like even if he's like quote unquote cured. The entire reason that Draymond was such like a great player is that like he's willing to get aggressive defensively and have that intimidation factor of like this guy may just like hit me or like kick me in the head at any point. And I think like that really worked and like made him such like a great defensive player and like made him a defensive player of the year uh, for multiple years. If you like lose that in your game, like what are you? Now you're just like a guy who like, can't shoot like That's i don't really know like what he adds him being an offensive nothing is just so tough i know he like he's a he's a playmaking big and he opens up the game for stuff a lot but i i just feel like it's overall negative at this point so does everyone yeah. else that's not a, that's not a neat take yeah and, and again i i kind of no sold your guys' lakers take i don't know if you guys had anything else you wanted to say on that but I think we're all I'm, I'm really not too concerned. Yeah, I just think it's what's more concerning is the, you know, Bill Simmons is laying the LeBron trade breadcrumbs. It's like, is that actually going to happen? Probably not. But, you know, when LeBron always has, LeBron always has an agenda. You never know what that guy's thinking. He's always up to something. You know, he wants to play with his son. Uh, that's a right around the horizon. So, you know, you never know. But like I said, I, they, I think they're in the best spot. You know, AD's been incredible this year. They're still like fine record wise, um, yeah. I just don't see an area like uh, an area where I'm like super concerned about this team, especially because cons- you know it's the Lakers, it's LeBron. Like somehow Kyrie will just end up there. Or, like he'll they'll find yeah. a way yeah. to get a stupid trade. And, and like the West is so open. It's yeah. much more than the East. Like the East, feel like the the teams you told Riley to rank feel like that's the locked in best teams in the East. I feel like it's always shifting around in the West. Like I, I well, do not trust. I do, I don't trust New Orleans, even though they're just New Orleans beat up on the Warriors really bad just now. But I don't trust New Orleans to still be ranked like in the in the seed they are now. I'll never trust yeah. Minnesota. And and it's not like the Lakers are having like big epiphanies of like who could have seen this coming. That it feels like the Warriors and the Suns have. It's like. Oh wow, D'Angelo Russell sucks and doesn't really fit with your team. Like everyone knew that. We knew that last year. <laughs> we knew that like, going into this the game. Um, so I think that's something to, to look out for. I I know um, they haven't really been able to get any of their minutes out of Gabe Vincent either. So um, that guy's going to start coming terrorizing my life again at any t- any point soon. Yeah. Um, and the the only the only thing I want to leave you, you guys with on the, on the Lakers. This is a total non sequitur. I was just thinking I was watching one of their games the other day. Is Rui Hachimura looks like if you were building like you know how like when you were building knees in like the Wii channel and there was like the ability to like really like grow or shrink like the height or like the fat of people or like and like the general body proportions. He feels like Giannis if you just like shrunk him down and like kind of made his proportions a little yeah. bit more like inward. <laughs> but he looks like Giannis and he kind of tries to play like Giannis a little bit. Yeah, I'm just like idea. Yeah, he's just like he's like the happy meal or like the squirtle version of, of Giannis. <laughs> Giannis is blast toys. <laughs> yeah. He really is the worst Giannis. Yeah, they don't know what to do with him. Yeah, they just need to like hammer out their lineups a bit more. There's players there. They got to shoot Russell off that team, but it's there. I, w- I would not be surprised if they're in the Western Conference Finals again. I loved the um, we always, we always talk about like stupid things that Bill Simmons said, but at one point he he said that that they could do like like a D'Lo and Austin Reeves trade for Draymond, and it was like a yeah. trade that like that doesn't make the Lakers better or the Warriors better at <laughs> all. Like, why would they do that? That's the most just like making a trade to make a trade. Don't do that. Darvin Ham might not be a great coach. There might be some of that brewing, but LeBron's running that team. Always will. Maybe maybe there's no good coaches. Have you guys like thought about that? I have like, had that feeling lately, especially this year with a uh, like Popovich. Popovich, everyone's out on him. Kurt, everyone's out on him. 
Adrian Griffin, whoever was so anti, like get, get him the hell out of here. And then like he kind of was able to duck under the radar. It seems like the only good coaches are Nick Nurse and Eric Spolstra. And that's it. Eric Spolstra, like, he just got paid too. He needs it. Everybody on Twitter was like, earned king. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Earned king. He is a king. I've been trying to tell y'all. <laughs> you kind of got to love it. It's kind of awesome. <laughs> You love to hate. All right, well, so I think, Steve, you were saying you've been watching a lot of them. Has, has the past month of Flippers basketball been enough to extend Kawhi Leonard another three years? Is it that is it that amazing what's happening right now? I mean, again, crypto it's currency building. It's the crypto center. An interesting spot because it's obvious Kawhi, like if you've been watching, when him, Paul George, and James Harden – you can throw Westbrook into that mix if you want. When they're all like playing on the floor, it they we were worried it might not work, but it's clear it works, and to an extent, it's like really, really good. And Kawhi, yeah, he deserves that money. He's one of the best players in the league, but it's always just a never-ending like, why would you want to pay a guy like that when you know he rolls his ankle and he could be out for two years? Like it's. <laughs> It's always going to be looming, and as a guy who's been supporting the Clippers the past, like, three years, I'm not fully ready to buy in. I am ready to apologize because the Harden thing works. The offense is, like, putting up historical numbers and efficiency. So it's, like, working. It's just I just don't know if at the end-all, be-all, they're going to be there in the title conversation because, you know, one guy rolls an ankle, one guy sprains a knee, and James Harden eats a couple burritos, and then it's over. Right. Well, I think the same thing happens with him every time he lands on a new team. It's like it was such a headache for him to get there. But once he get, once he gets there, he, he can just turn it on. He's like that that kid that was you know frustrated all throughout school that can just you know not work that hard for whatever they're trying to get at, but just like in the once once the, the lights are on in the regular season, he can become one of the better players in the league. So he's he's back to it, and this team is flowing. So it's kind of frustrating. Just to, I'm always kind of praying on his downfall. But it doesn't come. He seems to be a good fit when he landed in in Brooklyn. When he threw a fit and got into Philly, and when he threw a fit, is now in LA. I I, I kind of want to root for this Clippers team, but I I can't do it. I can't root for them. Hard. So it's a Frankenstein construction. What about you, Riley? What are you seeing out of them? Yeah, I I feel very similar. Um, I don't think there's any need or cause for alarm that we have to root for this team at all. I'm more so just like appreciating watching them because. I guess the third good coach in the league is Ty Lue because, man, he's able to figure it out. Like, yeah. move it, he moved Russell to the bench. We all were like, when's this going to happen? Is this ever going to happen? Um, it, it happened, and it's, like, really worked. Hughes looked really, really good. Um, I think, like, the, the hero arc that Russell Westbrook has had from the last postseason into now is, is real. Um, I really enjoyed kind of watching him. Uh, plug and play and chip away on the bench but what's been very interesting to me is like seeing how Paul George is still like a vital scorer for the team but his overall presence has definitely taken a huge step back um, from the last few years Um, he there were a lot of times when mostly because Kawhi wasn't on the floor he was like the guy who had to like take over and control a lot of these um, Clipper games and now he's basically operating as the third option. He's kind of succeeded that, like, 1B option to James Harden and, like, have, like, the James Harden and Kawhi game kind of do the talking. Um, and I, I think I think Paul George has still been very good, um, but he's a guy who I think still has another level to go for how he's playing this year, and I could see him having, like, a, a run and – we're all talking about how we don't appreciate Paul George or give him his flowers enough for a week like we do seemingly every single year. Yeah. Yeah, it happens. I mean, I remember when um like Kawhi went down, what is it, two postseasons ago and he almost he took them, you know, to that conference finals. Like he has the ability to go off and what a guy right now to have there waiting for you as an ace in the hole and he's not even, you know, your number one or number two option right now. It it could all it could all happen. For them yeah. I, I get i get them being all in like they have run this experiment so many times over you always hear it like you know, they're feeling really pressured to you because it's this new stadium 
separating themselves out of the Lakers and kind of being their own thing and just being all in financially. They're just they're just rolling the dice that it works and it, and it, and it could. They're they're kind of deep. I like the way Mans played. Norm Powell. They they kept the right players in that trade. Yeah, Zubac's been good too. He works with Harden very well. I love Zoo. Yeah, it's they have they have a foundation there. It's I wouldn't want to play him in the playoffs if all three of those guys were on the court. That's for sure. Yeah, unfortunately, that's probably not going to happen. Right. Um, we and that's been the moral of the story for years. It's even without Harden, it was well. If Paul George and Kawhi play, they're going to be right there. It's just will they? And most likely, the answer is no. But if they are, I'm officially counting them as a title. If if James Harden gets to the Western Conference Finals on the LA Clippers, I think Chris Paul is just going to walk in front of traffic. <laughs> he really needs to be on watch in April this <laughs> year. It is scary. It's such a it's so weird. I I still can't like every time I watch whenever I catch the Clippers on it. I don't. I'm not used to seeing all those guys out there and in the uniforms that they are. I just I just started to get used to Westbrook in a Clippers uniform. And now Harden's out there in it. It's fun, though. It is fun. It is weird. All right, before we wrap up, anything anything else you guys wanted to, to get into or anything that feels, like, hot that we would feel, uh, you know, dumb to not have covered tonight? Here, here's a question. Um, we know that we're going to be getting these two expansion teams kind of coming in uh, relatively soon, uh, likely being Seattle and Vegas which is going to do a huge shakeup um, in terms of what teams are going to be in the Eastern Conference versus the Western Conference. And knowing all that, the number one team in the Western Conference right now is Minnesota, and they're likely in the next few years going to have to be actually be shifting into the Eastern Conference. Where would you rank the Minnesota Timberwolves if they were in the Eastern Conference right now? Um, what, what do you think the standings would be in terms of um, the highest quality of teams in like that upper echelon? I I'm like so off them. Like it's not I just <laughs> Steven. I, I get it. Like they've been really good this year. I just don't buy it, man. Like a team with Rudy Gobert and Cat on it, I'm just never gonna believe in them fully. That being said, they've been good and it's really good. Um so you know, I, I just wouldn't put I definitely wouldn't put them ahead of the Celtics. I definitely wouldn't put them ahead of uh Philadelphia. And I still respect Milwaukee enough that even even with their defensive issues, but they're probably in that like four or five range for me. I think yeah, currently in this in, as like everyone's you know regular season status, I think they're number four, going above the Heat, above the Pacers, above the Knicks. But like I don't know, I feel like mm-hmm. I would still almost just like I think like the Heat can get around that team, and I'm, I'm kind of taking them past pedigree. But they're they're in that A class towards the bottom of that A class. Yeah, like if, if, I, I think they're just as good as Milwaukee, honestly. I don't know. I feel like if you ask me, again, this is just my bias probably speaking, but there's a very good chance. I mean, let's say hypothetically Minnesota does finish as the one seed. You know, OKC and Denver are right on their tail, so they might not even be there. But, like, if they finish as that one seed and then you have, like, that Lakers, Phoenix, uh, Golden State group, one of them is going to probably get the eight seed. And whatever team does get the eight seed is probably going to be the team that made a trade and, like, did something to get better. My guess would probably be the Lakers. I would like absolutely favor the Lakers in that series. I don't know. <laughs> I, I wouldn't even like. I would. I would think they beat them. Love it. I love it. I'm. I mean, I'm still in on on the T holes. I, I still enjoy them. Um, overall, I think maybe I'm a little bit more in than uh than you guys are. Uh, I'm very excited to see how they're posting. Bear, I might be. Also. I might be most interested in. In their postseason future this year than any other team, I who doesn't love change? Who do, you you don't believe people can change, Steve? Maybe Rudy Gobert is coming. Rudy Gobert on. sucks, dude. They played great with Nas Reed today. Nas Reed was awesome today. Nas Reed continues to be great. Love <laughs> him. He's so fun. I think for them to really get put over the edge, I think Dan Edwards is going to have to just like really show up and enjoy the spotlight. And I think that's been proved that's something that he has done. And his uh his brief time in the postseason, so I I I wouldn't I wouldn't shy away from thinking that they could have a really fun run. Why couldn't they be like the Hawks from you know the post COVID season and really surprise people, go deep. 
It wouldn't be a surprise though, really, right? Because everyone, I think, is now like kind of just waiting for them to mess up. It would be a surprise if they didn't mess up. Yeah, true. Yeah, no, you're right. If they could get there, I I want to see it. Yeah, this yeah. was good. This was one of our better pods in our I think this podcast history. Yeah. Also, last question: How afraid of you uh, are you of the Brooklyn Nets? As a team, <laughs> what, what do you think their ceiling is? Honestly, like if we're if we're a true serum in there, if if like they second wanted, round, if they wanted to try, I think they could definitely win a playing game. <laughs> they could they could make it to like the eighth seed. They could win the play in tournament. Yeah, they're, they're not actually like good enough to like upset one of the top teams in the East, but they could definitely get <laughs> in the playoffs. They're in my head. I want to I want to play them in the regular season. I'm going to be very tuned into Knicks Nets games. Yeah. What if they were somehow slated to play like Philly and like Joel Embiid had like just hyper extended his knee like right before and they were like <laughs> playing a severely well, depleted Philly? I, team. I, think, like, I think that exact scenario happened last year. <laughs> they played still <laughs> in the playoffs and Embiid just hyper extended his knee and Paul Reed <laughs> carried them to win. So I think they'll be ball Paul. Yeah. I, think yeah I, I mean, this is a great term. That the Nets are a team. They just have one too many guys. They're like too good. They just don't have any direction. <laughs> Cam's a bucket. Mikel's good. Spencer, Nick Claxton. I think that guy's a deep boy candidate. Again, <laughs> they're they're like if the Oklahoma City Thunders, but the ceiling was instead of winning a championship, you were trying to win the in season tournament. <laughs> right. Wow, if, if everything came together, yeah, how people think, like, just maybe the Thunder could win the finals this year. It's like, wow, if we did the in season tournament again, why couldn't the Nets win? <laughs> they could. And it would be a parade inside my city. <laughs> the, the Nets, actually, all jokes aside, if they are anything, they are 100% a great example of why we need to expand <laughs> and add two more teams. Because there's just so much talent on that team. If the Brooklyn Nets could be as talented as they are, we have to add two more teams to this league to spread things out. Agreed. A really fun pod that we have coming for us years from now um, is going to be doing like a, a faux expansion draft. Be like, what what players each team protect? I can't wait. That would be fun. Everyone's going to be doing that. That could be a, a but let's get ahead of it and do it this summer. Let's let's yeah exactly let's do it like now. We'll, we'll just look up the rules. <laughs> Yeah, just do yeah it. I think every team just protects two guys. Yeah, two guys. Who do you protect on the Celtics, Riley? If it was, if like Silver's like, it's happening in the middle of the season. It's happening right now. Of this season. The Celtics, um, that'd be hard. No, you definitely get to protect more than Der- Derek White. Yeah, Derek White, and I'd probably just let them figure it out and talk about the rest and talk about it. <laughs> just don't take Derek White. <laughs> I, yeah. I protect Jalen and OG. They cannot touch Jalen Brunson. Yeah, that'll be a fun pod. Well, that's going to be coming over uh, to us this summer. Steve, <laughs> are you kicking it into any uh, things in the high gear with the NFL? Uh, yeah, um, maybe the QB rankings. No, those, those, those have died. <laughs> It's um, it's over. Well, <laughs> we we had such a good run. You know, it, it we always used to make jokes about like, yeah, it's just fun when like the quarterbacks are like really bad and weird. But like this year was like another level, and I just like didn't want to rank like these guys every week. They were like I didn't need to rank Tommy. Well, Clark. I'm sure you heard. Well, awful. Right. I feel like we've we've definitely got into a lot of <laughs> this is like the Bill Simmons recap pod. But I almost messaged you guys. This this week we're just talking to the cuz they they pitched I don't know if you guys listened they basically pitched Rick the quarterbacks like oh why don't we take wow more starting quarterbacks than ever before Sal there's been sixty six what if we did like some well let's get uh, Steven Ruiz and we'll do like a March Madness tournament ranking of him like oh fuck why haven't we been doing that at the end of each rank the quarterback season just yeah. like a bracket yeah so that kind of died maybe in the future it'll be back but this year I just. It was tough, and it just like it was no motivation to go and rank Tommy Cutler. Uh, you're the pod father. You can't yeah. do it all, Steve. I don't blame you. But uh, we, I, there is a plan to do a pod this week. Uh, still up in there. Whether JP will be joining me, either <laughs> you interested, we'll be doing a playoff primer. I have a lot to say about my Baltimore Ravens because it's been a while. So, uh, that is on the horizon. Awesome. Yeah, we yeah. can't wait for these games. And just right before we go, I I wanted to thank our 
uh, fourth hoop fiend who's been here the whole time, AJ Hawk. Uh, I just wanted to see if it, it, I don't think anybody knew he was here, but shout out AJ. He's on camera. God, that guy's face is crazy. All right, we're officially off the rails, I think. Yeah, all right. Let's, yeah, follow, us, follow us on Ad Hoop Fiends Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. We'll be back. Uh, my guess is, you know, in the next month or so, our next two pods, if I had to guess, will probably be like an all-star prediction like we usually like to do, and then the trade deadline's in about a month. So I'd say those will probably be our next two pods. It's uh, getting good. Yeah, this is part where NBA starts being fun. Uh, so stay on the lookout for those, and like I said, check out the football themes feed because something playoff related will be out uh, for all you guys. And until next NBA pod, we'll see you guys next time.